Good evening. Today is November 11th, 2022. Uh, it is a Friday night. It's about nine o'clock. Uh, we got a really good one today or this evening. Sorry, I made my own hijacking. There you go. Ah, that was a great, great interlude, I think is the correct word. Yes. So on November 6th, 2022, at approximately 9 a.m., uh, which was six days ago on a Sunday morning, we did the New York City Marathon. Uh, and we being Chad Kadoff, who cannot join us this evening, uh, Tim DiCarlo, who is here, uh, myself, Andy Crone, and we got uh, two uh, distinguished guests who have been with us before, uh, John Bertan and Max Cam. And welcome to episode 25 of Above the Fog. Uh, this is going to be a really good one because uh, uh, wait. in life, it is not our successes, it's our absolute failures where we learn things. And uh, yeah, this was this was one of those. So um, it was really good stuff. I flew in Friday with Tim and Chad, which was awesome. Um, Chad's a native New Yorker. Made our way into Tribeca, New York, and everything was perfect. I mean, perfect, and everyone was healthy. Everyone was ready to go. It was just so much energy, so exciting. Did the expo on Saturday, ran into Markel Taylor, uh, Diana Fitzpatrick, shout out to her, just an incredible um, running influence. Diana is, I think she's director at Western States still, and uh, it was just so cool to see people. On the board, not the race director. Or board, thanks, John. Board member. Speaking of race directors, we have Ted Metalis who was the race director in 2021, but I didn't research enough to see if he's the race director this year. But I think it means different things at this level. It's more of a, a position of um, seniority than an actual race director. Like a TCRS race director is a lot different than a New York City Marathon race director. Um, so start with... I had a great. I'm, I I just keep talking. Wait, I want to back up to what you. To somebody else. What, what you originally said, you started this out with uh, successes and failures. Why are you calling this a failure? Because it was an absolute failure. Um, I had by, three goals. Uh, by my by, by my measure my by my three goals, I had um, get there to the start healthy. Did that easy okay. goal? You got you got to put that, easy. So goals. that goal was met. You got there okay. to the start, and you were healthy. Okay. The second goal, I'm slowly losing this goal because it's kind of an ongoing goal, and I think I've lost it by my introduction, <laughs> is to be happy with whatever result I accomplish. Uh, okay, so, so your, your so, satisfaction with this race result. And that's, that's a hard thing to set as a goal because that's like, yeah, I could be happy today and unhappy tomorrow 
And and then the third goal uh, was was a two fifty eight, which was absurd, um, given what happened. But what I, I'm was not gonna... your your last road marathon was Boston, correct? It was Boston. That was a three oh three. And and Max, who's here? Hey Max. Yep, I'm here. Remember Boston, April? Oh, it was quite the long time ago. Uh yeah. Did was there a I think there was like a fifty K in there. I'm not I don't remember. You're talking about my races or your race? I was there with you in April. Uh, I'm trying to think about yeah. my races between April and November. Uh, uh-huh. I don't think I did run a a marathon distance, but just like as a training run. That was the Point Mariah trail run up in Rogorge. Yes, that that was not a race. That was just a, kind of a fun thing to do in August, I think. Yeah. Okay, so at altitude, out in the Sierras, in summer, um, but still, it's still a marathon in your feet. Yeah, I'm I'm leaning towards ultras after this experience, by the way, because it's like, what? why would I want to race on a on foot, um, in a big city when I could take my time and enjoy nature. So there, there's the travel piece, and that's always going to take it out of you. You have to travel across the continent and deal with the time change. Though so you got the extra hour from the, the fall back that night. But you had a time goal, and you did not meet your time goal. So in, in that context, you, you are referring to your race as a failure. However, you finished. Um, going into this race... You clearly had some expectations of running yeah, let, uh, a certain. Let, let, let's rewind. And why did you bit. have the expectations? Yeah, so so um, mileage. I put in a lot of miles. Um, maybe not as many as Max does, but uh, yeah, I I put in a ton of miles on this one. I I did uh, a seventy mile week. I had almost a month where I was doing 54 plus every week. And is that outside the norm for what you usually do? In hindsight, it, yes, it's outside of the norm. And the problem here, or I think in hindsight, I was just focused on the mileage. I wasn't, I wasn't doing any tempo at all, which was a different strategy. It's just like if the, the speed will come, if I do the miles. A very different strategy, but you you felt so you felt your training going into it because I was messaging with you and you you had expectations. You felt very prepared. You you definitely looked very prepared. Um, your mileage would speak to you were prepared. However, the day before there was some there was some second guessing, and you started talking about the heat. And that, Did I do that the day before? I don't remember. The day before I was messaging you, I texted you, and you said it was hot. And I was actually kind of surprised because for the first time in a few years here in Marin County, I feel like we're actually getting a cooler fall than we've had in recent years. Cool by Marin County standards. Yeah, I, so I want to 
I want to talk to Tim. I want Tim to talk here. Because yeah. he he did the marathon also. Mm-hmm. He had different training. But how were you feeling, Tim, like the day before? And what were your expectations? Okay, so we're very different skill levels, obviously, and we had very different training loads. I had prepared for a half marathon. I knew the second half, no matter what the weather, I knew the second half was going to be miserable, but I felt I could go to 13 to 15 miles okay. You and I had the same experience. I think I texted you mid-race when I thought you might actually be done. And I said, just go back to the hotel. I'm at 13 miles. I am done. I reached about mile eight where I knew for my training I could do. Eight miles should have been easy. 16 miles and beyond should have been shitty. Sorry, can we say that on your podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But at mile eight, I should not have been as wiped out as I was. I also knew I'd been training because I didn't have any choice on a treadmill in 105 degree heat almost for a month. So the weather, I thought, would not be a factor. And I was wrong. It was was such a factor. Oh, my gosh. 70 degrees in... 40% humidity or whatever it was is very different than a hundred degrees in like 5% humidity where there's no thick air. Yeah. I was having flashbacks. Yeah. mm -hmm. Of of July in Florida. I had a thought here on that, on those conditions and both of you can speak to this running in California in say rural country road whether mm-hmm. it's in the Central Valley and sun or, you know, rolling hills and the more closer to the coast mm-hmm. um, is a very, even if it's hot, even if it's like 80 degrees or 90 degrees is a different experience from running in a city with a lot of steel and concrete and reflective windows around you in high temperatures. I've seen that happen down uh, six years ago at the, at the, marathon trials the olympic marathon trials in la mm-hmm. it was warm it wasn't like hot hot but it was warm but when you have all that that urban heat island effect did you guys feel that did you guys feel oh like heat gosh. coming from all directions there it were was... a few points not too many but there are a few points yeah <laughs> uh, when the sun came out at about four miles and you're on the highway and you have some tall buildings you could feel it, but then it got rainy. So the, the moisture got thicker as we were going. And from about four miles to eight miles, for me, about a time of 35 minutes, the air just got thicker and it got harder to breathe. And I was shocked because I thought I was just, I thought I was out of condition and I was for a 26, but I was shocked at five miles that I was hurting so bad. And when the race was over and we kind of regrouped and rebriefed, uh, Andrew said the same thing. When he was about eight or nine miles, he was already getting ready to uh, throw it in. He, he, he was experiencing the same feelings, the same doubts, the same physical pains I was. So to me, Andrew, your 
struggles was very comforting because I knew it wasn't just me. And the funny thing is, it was, it was, you know, it was 40,000, 47,000 people. But Um, one theme I got from everybody we talked to, every person we talked to, nobody, nobody asks, what was your time? Everybody asks, how'd you do? You know, very vague. But everybody we talked to was way below where they thought. And to me, that was very comforting. Instead of just taking my goals and my perception of what I should do, once I weighted against every other person's experience, I was able to be comforted and go, okay, it, it was what it was. If well, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I think I, so I, I would dig at people a little, I would say, so, you know, what was your expected time and what did you get? And mm. almost everyone was 20 minutes slower. I mean, I was 30 minutes slower than mm. I wanted, but like I, and that, that gave me a little bit of, uh, made me feel a little bit better because I like, had I been smarter and, th- and this is like other things in life, right? Mm-hmm. I knew it was hot, but I want, you know, you want that certain time, that certain goal, that, that like, uh, that milestone. And so I went for it and I went for it hard and I paid it. I paid for the, it was Florida all over, John. It was like, yeah. When you're saying like everybody was experiencing this, this mismatch between how the day was going and what they prepared for, like when you say talking to other people in the field in that context then that does seem like less of a you know a classifying it as a failure it's one of those things where you know what if the day turned out I, years back i remember this was actually 10 years ago doing cim but it turned out to be like a hurricane for california and the water was ankle deep for most of the race um and the winds were crazy mm-hmm. and it was water. it was yeah, it, it's CIM really. Like yeah, in the CIM. Suburbs? It, it huh. running were down. Running or swimming? Yeah, it, well, exactly. It felt like we were swimming, but it was just a constant downpour for you know the first two and a half hours of the race, and everybody, people, people who ran that year remember that hurricane year effectively. But when you have that unexpected, you know, additional challenge from the conditions then that creates, you know, something that everybody's going up against. So doesn't that make it seem more like a success too, if you manage to get through it, you know? Well, well, John, uh, if I could answer here, this sense of comfort for me was coming after I was talking to people (laughs) during the event. I didn't know Andrew was struggling. I didn't know Chad was struggling. I didn't know that everybody else around me was, during the run you're just mired in your own pain physical and your own questions your own doubts your own uh did i make a mistake you you are you know so so i want to change topics a little bit Hmm. and i should have started with this just for anyone that might be listening that searches new york marathon Hmm. the logistics new york marathon have big problems um oh yes you need to leave so i took there are three ways to get to the start 
there's the Staten Island Ferry, there's some buses, and there's uh, which are Midtown buses uh, come out of Central Park, I think. And then there's a, a third one. I, I forget what that is, but that's like not that many people use it. Um, most people take the Staten Island Ferry or the buses. So I took the Staten Island Ferry. My start time was 9.10 a.m. I left, which I had a one-mile subway ride. I left at 5.30 a.m. thinking I need to leave minimum an hour and a half, two hours ahead. So I left way ahead. I left three and a half hours before. I missed the, first, the Staten Island at 6 a.m. No big deal. They come every 15 minutes, which is different than normal Staten Island, which none of this is on the website, really, unless you dig through like 50 pages of, of BS. Yeah. So you get to Staten Island, which is like incredible. You take this ferry across from Manhattan to Staten Island. Uh, it's like a 30-minute ferry ride. And then there's this bus situation, which is exactly like New York. Right, you get to yeah. so you unload off the Staten Island ferry. There's eight people, and there's fifteen thousand runners all just feeding off of the ferry every fifteen minutes, and people are just like penguins pushing each other. Have, has anyone here done this? I've never done New York. Okay. Um, Max, I'm looking at the New course York? map, and the course map looks like a subway map, which is hilarious. How they have it's it's not actually following the the real routes of the roads they have it kind of artificially straightened and they're pointing out all the different parts it really does look like the subway map (laughs) so my advice which sounds insane but you have to leave four hours before your start time yeah and then and then you so you get to step because you get to the staten island ferry there are no this is their 50th running of the the course and four hours before your start time so that's Yeah, so you're you're doing that at 5 a.m. and thinking yeah. about that this time, we, even with time change, um, yeah, that's 3 a.m. effectively. No, so, so I got up at 5:30. Andrew, but I was Andrew, still I still had all these Andrew, problems. Yeah, hold on. Andrew, can oh. we take a pause? Can you tell these guys what your advice when I was freaking about out about oh, how do you, I? You you need two things. You need to get your number, and you need to get to the start line. That's the only thing you need to know for a race. So very simple. It, yeah. it, in his pre-race advice, very simple. Get your number, get to the starting line. But New York but, doesn't make it that way. But, but New York. So so a big F you to, um, sorry. Sorry, Mom, <laughs> I know you're listening. To uh, Ted Metalis of the New York City Roadrunners. Because it was so avoidable. And like everybody there was like, this is so avoidable. You just need some traffic cones and you need some people management. And then, because what happened was I was cut in front of by a mob about five or six flights of buses. And which, you know, is not the end of the world. I may, I actually, I didn't make my corral. I was late to my own corral, even though I left so early. And then the guy, because I was corral, wave one, corral B, which is near the front. And the guy there, he said, sorry, you didn't make it. You're going to have to go wave two. <laughs> I was like, what? And so then I I, I was like, you're not going to let me in? Because their only announcement was Corral is now closed, which was very New York. It was, And the guy was just loving it. 
because there was like 20 of us and we were like we can't go into our wave or corral so i was like okay i, I didn't argue with the guy i just went over to wave a or wait or corral a and then corral a was like ah come on in so i actually got to go in front of people that were faster than me because yeah i got i had i had a really good qualifying time at cim to get in but like to do uh corral a wave one was um much harder than like wave you had to do like sub 250 or something like that so um it was i was like this is but, absurd but all these things are not only physical drains on us but just mental things to get in our way of can i run what i want to run they're just other things you have yeah to it was, it was three on. it was it was almost three hours of standing mm -hmm. before the race at nine nine ten you're, you're describing all the stuff that makes me sort of steer clear of big city marathons the last big city marathon i did was la but that marathon doesn't have the same amount of people as new york or boston um the the logistics of just getting to the start of a point to point is is tricky and i actually think it's weird that the logistics of getting to the start of a point to point race in a big city seems more difficult than getting yes. to the start of a point to point race out in the yes. middle of nowhere on a trail run yes yeah, yes sure. absolutely john you you are absolutely right you're you park anywhere you want you can find whatever tree you want to pee on it, it's just kind of out in the middle of like for trail running and when you're in the middle of nowhere there's no traffic there's no people except for people who are out there for the race it just the big city marathon it seems like just as hard as the training is putting together all the logistics yes Yes, you're spending more time and more energy focusing on how do I book my hotel? When should I fly? How do I get to the starting point? I had to I had to rent a city bike and ride four miles to get to my ferry. And I had to crush those four miles. It wasn't like, oh, let's take a look at what's opening up and see the people there. I was riding hard to get there because because the the map timing changed and they didn't have the taxis at five in the morning like they do at nine at night you know it, so it's it like why the, do we do these things we pay so much money to do them so september makes, yeah it makes the pull up to the state park for some trail 50k sleep in your car the night before and pay you know 70 bucks or whatever it is for the race so much more palatable but I then again, to have done that. <laughs> but, but, but then again, there is something about just being there with all of those people. There is an energy you get from all those people. Yeah, oh, there after, is. Like, after the start, you're suffering together, is, yeah. or and then going through a city like that on foot on roads that are closed, like going through a city in a way that you don't normally get to go through the city. Especially, oh, there is John. John, we're focused on everything that's been terrible, <laughs> and there was a lot that was bad. But as you said, there was so much, I mean, I've got so many images in my head of just like awesome stuff. Um, just the idea of having to ride my bike to get there or to rent a bike and then ride a bike to get there is kind of a cool story. And then when we get to the, when I get on the ferry and we get over there. You're, like, you're on the trips for kids ferry. 
which is a special yeah. ferry for a special charity. Yeah, so it was so different cool. Ferry. So if nice. You, you got to hear Joel Osteen. That, that is the perk. <laughs> if you're going to do New York City Marathon and you want to do charity, do trips for kids, mm. um, which is a whole other thing. Apparently, mm. New York City is a nonprofit, <laughs> even though they have a CEO that makes like half a million Tons dollars. Yeah, but oh, that okay. is a very different race director. <laughs> so, did you have a pl- a point in this race? Like, you, you're feeling crappy. You all these logistics. The weather isn't what you thought it would be. You're thinking the training you did isn't necessarily the training that was needed for the race. But were there? What was a part on the course oh, for each of you? At the start, what, I felt felt amazing, and the start was was incredible. They had like but, a cannon that went off. I mean. They had like Frank Sinatra playing, and there was like five helicopters. Like, yeah. I was so pumped. That was pretty cool. I could that have, cool. I could have dropped a five-minute mile, no problem. But it was just like a mass of people, and it was so we're on the Verrazano Bridge, going slightly uphill, first mile, like no, like no exertion at all, going uphill for a first mile. It was just amazing, just really cool. So, was there a point in the course though you're feeling? pretty crappy about everything but then you look around and realize like wait a minute i am still here i'm still moving yes and i'm in yes. new york and like what was the where was that on the course like in the latter part of the course where you like what aspect of the course or the scenery or the environment managed to pick you up at times was there any oh, like, I, one, I had a like, few things and that's what i want to talk about so before the race was amazing so they have the elites go off, then they have Andrew's wave, then then I was in wave two, but they have the cannon blow, like Andrew was saying, and you can see some cars go up the bridge. You can't see anybody from where we are at. We're way below the bridge, but there's hundreds of people. There's two, just, two levels, and your yeah. your start was on the second le- bottom level. I was on the top level. But But we weren't on the bridge. We were below in the park. Mm-hmm. And hundreds of people, this roar goes up. This this electric crowd energy just starts blowing up. And I'm looking up at the bridge and I'm going, you can't even see the runners. What is everybody cheering at? And what they were cheering at was all the athletes with disabilities, the blind people, the people that were being pushed in wheelchairs, the uh, people with cerebral palsy that were running. All these people were coming out of their tent. And you had hundreds of people stopping their worries, stopping their drinking of their coffee or talking about their race and just cheering these people. Like before the race even began, I got this moment of just like, wow, we're about to do something amazing. And these people are doing it harder than we are doing it. This is just something worthy to watch. And everybody knew it. And that was so cool. Um And then when you get on the race course, mile eight, which is where I realized, crap, I'm not even going to get to my mile 13, which I thought was my point where I might fall down, where I might. I'm at mile eight, and I'm just hating it and thinking life sucks. This race is awful. I made a bad decision. And you get to Brooklyn, and you go up a hill, and at first you go, I can't do this, but I now have to go up a hill. What's going on? Why am I here? And suddenly the people are crowding around you. The people are supposed to be behind a line, but they're just crowding behind you, crowding around you. They're running up the hill with you. 
they're waving countries' flags in your face. And I'm going, this is what you see in the Tour de France when the Peloton is going through these little villages. And for about a mile and a half in Brooklyn, Andrew said he didn't get this. But when I went through, for a mile and a half in Brooklyn, you've got people giving you orange slices, giving you drinks, patting you on the back. It felt like the Peloton, what you're watching on TV. And that gave you an energy for at least another two miles after you went through that. You're going uphill. And that probably was one of my faster miles, which is weird. I was looking on my Garmin. I'm going up a hill going faster than every one of my first eight miles. And before I went up that hill, I was like, I'm dead. I can't do another step. I can't possibly go further. But that kind of a crowd and and the loudness of it, you can hear. It was too loud, honestly. I, you could hear people shouting. You could I, feel I, it. I, I don't like all of this shouting. I got <laughs> tired of it. But for that more. one mile, it felt amazing you felt like there, a king yeah there was too many foghorns like blowing in my ear mm. and like rap like just incredibly loud like rap music and like like it's cool occasionally but you're running through it the whole way and like oh, yeah. when, when you're like I, I i've heard the word vault when you're trying to create like a a zone it's really distracting mm. like um but but my I had two I had two races I had mile one to ten, and then everything changed after ten because I was like, well, my heart rate's way too high, I'm overheating. My legs were fine. I had the legs. The legs were there. If it was cold, I mean, gosh, it was thirty five or forty degrees. It would have been so different for me because because I train in like nice, cool, perfect temperature with wonderful climate and that's what i'm used to i had the legs um but i was my heart rate's just jacked i was i just couldn't cool off just could not cool off and i was able to you know i think john said it i was who was i talking to um what you said something john about it's just figuring it's just a, a, a something to solve or like when you're you're doing an ultra you're just it's all about problem at, solving yeah, it's just a problem solving. If things aren't going how you expected them, you have a plan, but rarely, rarely do you follow the plan that you set out for your race. Whether whether it's a mile, whether it's a uh, hundred miles, and then when you start deviating from your plan and realize conditions or you or whatever physically or mentally are not following that plan. How do you get back on track or what do you need to do to get yourself? Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a Mike Tyson quote I was thinking of that kind of guided me through. Uh, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And by mile 13, <laughs> quote, Mike by Tyson. mile 13, I knew I'd been punched in the mouth. So what do I do after you have to go over a bridge at mile 13. And then and once I crossed over and I'm at mile 14, it's like, well, what am I going to do now? Quit? No. So now how do I navigate through the second half after getting punched in the mouth the first half? You just it's keep going. Too, it's too bad the cardiovascular system is attached to my legs. Because <laughs> if, if, if my legs were in screaming agony and I was dying in my legs, I'd be like, whatever, we're going to do this. And I don't care. 
But when my heart's above 180 and I'm at mile 10, uh, I know something's not right. <laughs> because so, usually when I race, I'm at like 160s. So that's just like out, out of my whole comfort zone. So. I had to look that up. Um, <laughs> you, you look at mile. It's I, I think it's about mile ten when I'm no, at one. No, no, no. The Mike Tyson quote. Um, oh. <laughs> and it's here. Uh, people are asking me before a fight, what's going to happen? Tyson said they were talking about his style. He's going to give you a lot of lateral movement. He's going to move. He's going to dance. He's going to do this, do that. I said everybody has a plan until they get hit. Then, like a rat, they stop in fear and freeze. <laughs> so that's the thing. Is like, are you going to just stop? Or yeah. are you going to figure out how you're going to get yourself back on track to, to finish this? Sometimes in a race, like when things aren't going to plan, maybe, maybe like stopping actually is the, the smart thing to do. Yeah. Most of the time, however, that's probably like you're not going to finish with the time you wanted, but you set out to do something. You set out to cover that distance on your feet. And what are you going to do to make sure you can do that and finish that distance in a, in a healthy way? And, you know, it's usually more of a struggle mentally than physically. Uh, yeah. And that's, and that's kind of what I did the second half. I knew I had to run, walk, and I had to say, what can I do that is going to maximize my running without pushing myself to that edge? Because, as Andrew said, like, I was watching my heart rate. That's one point you told me before the race, Andrew, is watch your heart rate when your heart rate's going crazy. So I was constantly watching my heart rate and trying to figure out what plan to do to not push myself to a brink versus just being lazy and not pushing myself at all or walking off the course and quitting. Um, so that did become a game for me trying to figure out what timing pattern to use to keep my heart rate within a range so that I could finish without overtaxing things yeah it wasn't even a marathon it was a heat management exercise yes and i, I mean, still go to peter luger's at night which was yeah very good. <laughs> that was that was awesome but like yeah. we got max and john here you guys are like mm -hmm. real ultra guys and it is i mean when you get in I, I don't know but like when you get in like a lot of heat you're not racing anymore right you're just managing heat and managing uh like your your heart rate is that right heart rate uh fluids electrolytes those things start to come into play for sure when it does get warmer even on like practice runs or rides that i've done um yeah that comes into play for sure especially when it's hot yeah, when it's cool, it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, it, everything's going to work out because you've trained in this. It's comfortable. You can run at a lower heart rate. Um, you're not exerting as much per mile, per hour. Compared so to when you're your body switch. only has so, so hot it can get. So if it's hot outside and you're having trouble keeping your temperature down there's things you can do sometimes if aid stations and like a long trail race have ice you can put some ice in a rag and stick it on your neck i that saw people with ice i was like where the, the hell is the ice what happens though is your 
blood flow will go to the surface of your skin so the blood can radiate the heat outwards and that draws the the blood away from other places in your body such as your your stomach and your digestive system so then your digestive system often says well i can't digest this food i got to get rid of it and so nausea can set in if you're pushing too hard in the heat and i kind of wanted to barf a little I, i thought it would feel better if i like I didn't have to barf, but I was like, if I stuck my finger down my throat, which I haven't done like ever in a race, yeah. But I was well, like, I, would feel I better have done that. I've done that when it's been hot. Yeah. And like, the, the phrase, I need to reset my stomach. Um, but the the fact that you said you're feeling a little bit nauseous, that's that's your body telling you your blood's pulling away from your stomach. So whatever food and calories are in there that are you know waiting to be digested that blood flow is going elsewhere because the most important thing to keep cool is your brain. And mm. if, if that's overheating, then you need to like thing resources will be diverted. So that's why I like ice on the neck, um, on the back of the neck, that's going to, that will help cool your whole system. Um, but yeah, the, the problem solving thing, and then you're just trying to think, okay, what, what, I, what can I do to mitigate this? So yeah, if it's hot, yeah, you're still kind of, racing but you're trying to figure out how can you pull the most speed out of yourself while while running i was like how could i even train for this and i was like this bullshit (laughs) because i was your mom's listening andrew your mom's listening sorry mom Uh, yeah it's like how could you train for for east coast humidity like on a hot day you know like well and then let me ask you another question you guys have done trail runs at trail runs the aid stations they're there to help you. They're like your friends. If you need something, they'll give it to you. Am I right? Aid stations should, well, working aid stations, if I've been there, I want to help people problem solve. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max? Um, yeah, for the most part, they are there to help you um, with whatever they have. They don't have everything. Um and yeah, in trail running, some of the aid stations, like they let you have drop bags so you can mm-hmm. stack whatever you need. But yeah, in a road marathon, I mean, the only thing you'll find at an aid station is maybe banana, water, maybe yeah. Gatorade or yeah, some sort of they, they even had like, they had an aid station on both sides and it's not their fault because these volunteers, a lot of them are like 15, 16 year old kids are probably getting volunteer hours, you know, or whatever, or, or getting out of uh, school. Yeah. Or getting out of a Saturday detention by doing this or whatever, but they're running out of cups for water. So you're coming into an aid station looking to get some sort of assistance and they're going, Go across the street. Like they're saying it with that kind of attitude. Uh, like, you know, like, go across the street. Go, go. Get no, we don't they're like pushing that, you. That, they did cover the aid stations. This is like crazy. So you go, I think it started mile three or four, and then every single mile, which is a lot, every mile they'd have aid stations on both yeah. sides at each mile. And after mile ten, I was I did the Bill Rogers. Oh, wow. I, I stopped, which actually I got yelled at many times because I I'm running yeah. at like a 7:45, you know, which is at that point it was a jog for me. But I was like, okay, I'm just gonna jog to the aid station and and cool off, and then I'll jog to the next one, and then, um, yeah, I think 
the eight stations at New York are that's done well. That's done right. I I got there later and it was like typical New Yorker. Like I said, go go no get out of the way. Go keep moving. You're you're blocking. You know they're like I won't well, say encouraging you, scolding you, admonishing you, excoriating you. Get out of our way. You're in. You're interrupting us. <laughs> in the trail running world, people at aid stations will definitely uh, encourage, sometimes gently, sometimes forcefully, don't sit down, keep moving. Because if runners stop and linger at an aid station, the likelihood that it is you that you'll keep going starts to drop. And so aid stations and trail races, trail ultras are like, you're not going to sit down, get what you need and keep moving because you need to keep moving. Whereas I think the scariest aid station I ever worked at was in the San Francisco Marathon. Um, it was at mile seven. So on the, the north side of the Golden Gate Bridge. And when the half marathoners and marathoners were all coming through, I was holding a box of goose and every it was just once it got to the steady stream of people, it was everybody reaching in as fast as they can and keep moving. But it was the quantity of people was what was kind of crazy. It wasn't like, all right, people are coming in, looking for their drop bags, stuff like that. It was just a sheer stream of people. And it was, yeah, it was kind of terrifying. Yeah. So yeah. The, 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 the number of people. Yeah. Like You're right, that. John. The, yeah, I avoided, sorry, sorry, Max. The, I avoided the nope. goose. Because the goose stations were insane, like insane, just yeah. like hordes of, it was like lemmings running for the table. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, I remember that yeah. was, I had a box of goose and then it would be like, yeah, it was just a steady stream for a long chunk of time. So I was holding it and then somebody would give me another like full box. And then around me, people were just moving push brooms, picking up all the wrappers and stuff like that. So the the sheer amount of people changes that whole calculus. But again, the goal is to keep people moving. So now on this, so the first, at what point, okay, back up here. Andy, you said you felt great at the start line. And yeah. you're, you're, you're thinking stuff is going you're like you're gonna have a great I'm, race i'm Your gonna crush it there. I, that's, that was my attitude i'm gonna crush this right now i'm gonna just uh, this is gonna be awesome nothing wrong so, it's a good, so, good way to start a race at what point do your expectations get recalibrated and yeah same for you tim like at what point like you're at the yeah. start line wh where is the recalibration of expectations it's sort of surreal. Like it was, um, it wasn't, it wasn't like, uh, I couldn't hold the speed. This is why it's so awkward. So, so weird. Like I, I could continue to my legs, I could continue to run at that speed, but like the data that I'm getting is like not making sense in my brain and like the way I was feeling wasn't making sense. So like, was I going to keep going to like 190? And like, I could, but I've never even hit 190 in my life. <laughs> so, so, so I felt kind of, you know, I felt off. I felt really hot. I just like, and I'm sweat, like sweating more than I've ever sweat, you know, and 
it's just I just couldn't do it because it was hot. And so I stopped. Mile 10, at the mile 10, 8 station, I stopped and I just... Okay. I, I, I was doing, yeah, like six something and then I just stopped, stopped at the station. Mile 10. Okay, so before yep. the halfway. Yeah. So oh, yeah, I had, I, had, I had two points before I had it. Mile two, you, you go up the bridge and... I had done no decline. I knew incline was a very difficult challenge for me. So I had started doing some incline training before, but I had done no decline. And my quads were just already crushed after mile two. The second mile is downhill. And then the heat, that's when it was hitting you. So at mile three, I remember this lady from the charity, a coach from the charity. She's kind of sweeping through looking for us to try to encourage us. And there was a young lady, Paige, who was having difficulty. And I was just trying not to get Kim, who was the coach, to pay attention to me. And at mile three, she's like, how are you doing? You're looking kind of tough. Do you think you're going to make it? And I'm like, of course I'm going to make it. I'm trying to say the right things to her. But in my mind, I'm going, I'm in mile three, and I don't think I'm going to make it. My legs are already <laughs> hamburger meat. My breathing is labored. I'm going slow. Yeah, as Andy was saying, the data is not adding up for me. I'm going slower than I normally do, and I am having a harder time. That was the first punch in the mouth, proverbial, <laughs> where I had to refigure things. And then I was able to start going from about mile four to mile eight. I felt like I picked it up a little bit back to normal. But I still wasn't, my heart rate was high. I still wasn't feeling good. Even though my pace was feeling better, it just wasn't matching up. Then I had that one nice incline where you had the energy of the crowd. But then once the crowd was gone, mile 10, same thing. I'm done. What do I do now? I haven't reached that halfway point. Mile 3 and mile 10, I had two points where I seriously had to recheck and rechange and recalibrate and refigure because i think yeah i think everybody had that tim it was like it's actually kind of a relief that it was hot in a way because if i had a, a or we all had a slow race right and it was perfect conditions it was nice and cool and there was no injury it would be kind of like ah, i just had a bad race but there is the oh, I got the temperature. So, yeah, nothing wrong with my hamstring, which I was worried about. Uh, I've had like hamstring stuff when I try to like crank it up. Um, nothing wrong, totally fine. Legs are fine. Just quads are a little bit sore. I feel like normal today. So, the legs were there. Everything was there. It's just <laughs> just couldn't handle the heat. I just How? I, I, I a delicate flower. So, so I got. <laughs> I was thinking about this as you were going before the, the race happened, but when I was messaging you, Andy, the day before, just like the notion of a big city marathon, there's a lot of people. How many people signed up or ran or finished this race? Like approximately it's in the, uh, I, I looked in the numbers. It was, or looked it up. It was, there was actually bibs that hit 60,000, mm -hmm. but the starting number was about 50,000. 
and seven thousand seven hundred forty-four is finished. And the finishing was forty-seven. I believe seven thousand. Yeah, I believe yeah. about three thousand dropped, but I can't put that's my finger not, on. There's no DNF list. That's not many. Now, so that's a six percent drop. Yeah. I was listening to an interview with um, a guy who published a book a few months ago called 12 hour walk. Have you heard of this book? Mm -hmm. No, this guy got the, well, first person to traverse Antarctica on foot, pulling a sled. Um, I forget how long it took him. And so in his adventure, he used to be a triathlete actually. And his, adventures and stuff um he spent a lot of time with himself so part of this book that he published is about okay we we get so caught up in our own daily grind which is like going out and disconnecting doing something like i'm going to accomplish this distance or time so in the book is, is the whole premise of the book is like everybody should go out and just walk for 12 hours doesn't matter how far you go you're just going to go walk for 12 hours. It's a time-based thing. But a marathon is a distance-based thing. And you're trying to minimize the amount of time you're going out doing it. And not, there's a lot of, they're popular. I mean, as, you know, evidenced by the amount of people who sign up for these things. They're but profitable. It's not, they're very profitable. They're profitable. Oh, oh well, gosh. not just, I mean, the whole industry <laughs> of like encouraging people to work out and sell shoes and all that stuff. But still, it's it's something that, you know, deep down, I feel everybody should be encouraged to do to take on these kinds of challenges because it does force you to, you know, get away from it, from a lot of things that, you know, can drag people down, number one, but also, you know, it changes your mindset, you know, even it, it forces you to ask a lot of questions about yourself, whether in the training up to it or in the execution of the event. And so if you, at some point in this race, I was actually thinking, if you were told, okay, we're going to change this. Instead of you're going to try to cover 26 miles on foot in the fastest time you can, you just need to, you're going to keep going for another, you know, whatever it is, 10 hours after, you know, starting this. Does that change that calculus? Like moving for that amount of time versus trying to complete a distance? Is there, some, is there something different about that? I kind of came to that idea in my own head. I had a low end time that I thought would have been acceptable. Like I never, Andrew tried to press me for a time goal and I never wanted to give him a time goal, but I had a time minimum. And I realized at about 15 miles, I wasn't even going to come close to that minimum. You mean like so a, time, I, a time maximum in the context of? The like, worst like, possible yeah. time I would yeah. accept myself and be able to live with myself, so to speak. And I realized it about with about 11 miles to go, I wasn't going to even come close to that. It, it just wasn't going to happen. So I did start to say, how long can I just keep moving? Uh, that is kind of the question I had to ask myself is time. How much time can I keep myself on my feet and going forward? And I didn't want 12 hours, but uh, I, 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 yeah. I did kind of accept it as that is how long can I keep myself on my feet and keep pushing myself because the distance is already set. 
I can't really meet a time goal. So how long can I physically just do this and slug through it? And just wrapping my head around that of just keep moving forward with no real goal, but just keep going. Well, the the one essential goal of you're gonna you're gonna complete that distance. Yes. But as far as yeah, I'm gonna do it within a certain set of preconceived parameters that went out the window. <laughs> Uh, so. I, I like, yeah, I like the idea of not having boundaries on what you're doing. It really, I, I, I don't know why I do this to myself, honestly. It's nice to get into Boston. I got, I did Boston, done it. I'm going to do it again. And it's great to run fast. You feel great. But like, if you're going to be out there for 12 hours, if I didn't have, time or distant boundaries like oh i need to run this fast i need to do it this this many hours i think it would be so much more enjoyable like i know i know i could walk i mean a lot of us could walk for a very long time right um it's like but how much can you accelerate that and go for a very long time Right. So, um, yeah, that's like for me, it became that, the realization that even walking was going to be painful. So why not just run some more of it? <laughs> well, there, there is an element here of, you know, should this. This endeavor signing up for these races, training, completing them. It should be hard. It right? should be. Yeah. And it should be times like where you're really questioning what I'm doing in authenticity about it. Like it was it should, just easy. It should every hurt. Time. It like should you, hurt John, but it shouldn't bring you to the brink of a heart attack. Well, <laughs> like, I, I what, thought that I was feeling I, like I was having one, but like, yeah, you should really hurt, but you shouldn't collapse. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've run races where I would push and yeah, it was hard, but I meet, I met a time goal and stuff like that. And then there's races where I've been in where like, finishing let's make sure that this is actually going to happen and those are yeah the, the the notion that finishing is not a guarantee is always something that makes this i think more worthwhile right like that is that it actually isn't a guarantee does that make sense yeah so so we're talking about this 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 little tiny marathon and uh a friend of mine his wife just did i think it was del lago Rio de Lago, yeah, the and, and uh, Riley, uh, Riley Fergit, and I looked at her. It's incredible. She did an amazing job, like just so awesome. And and I'm like Tim and Chad and I are like, yeah, it was hot. <laughs> and, and and here she is running sixty something miles. I looked at her splits, running sixty something miles. And Max has done this and then walking for 44 miles like, uh, OK, I'm not that tough. <laughs> well, that that's the and there there is a time cutoff for that race. I've, I've paced people in that race. I remember pacing one lady there one night. We got to mile 85. This is in the middle of the night. And she's asking me, 
like, I think I need some sunscreen again. I, I ran out of sunscreen. I'm like, <laughs> no, you're cool. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> and just, yeah, the, the, the weirdness and strangeness that happens. But the, the notion that a finish is not guaranteed, things need to be hard and uncomfortable. Now, to what degree should they be hard and uncomfortable? That's, you know, open for discussion and experience. But yeah, not every race is going to be like exactly as you expect, but that's, isn't that necessary to keep yeah. making this endeavor worthwhile? Like you're going to have the races like, God, that sucked. And then it makes the ones that where everything went right that much sweeter. It just, I, maybe these are just things I'm saying to convince myself because of all my, the races that I've run that did not go according to plan. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. I mean, really realizing I came through it. If I had, if I had just met my time goal, it'd have been like, yep, did it. Okay. Chalk that one up. But this was an experience. This was uh, a challenge. This was something, I mean, Andrew, even though you had like a better than Boston qualifying goal, the, the fact that you had to navigate through it once you realized you weren't going to get there, that's that's a whole nother ball of wax. It's a, it's, it's a better story almost. It's, it, it was, yeah, it was like, exactly like john had said it's you know solving problems mm-hmm. uh, i was at mile 10 thinking okay well better find a subway i'm gonna be sitting on the sidewalk here i thought oh for sure i'm gonna be on the sidewalk for 15 minutes because i'm just blowing up i'm done I, this is done and what was weird is my legs were not done and but my body was done it was like i was in a sauna doing you know running in a sauna and I couldn't handle it anymore. I needed to get out of the sauna, but I couldn't get out of the sauna. So you just stop running in the sauna and you're sitting there in the sauna, (laughs) but it only, it didn't take that long. It was like five, 10 minutes. And I I should look at my splits. Like I, there was some walking in, in this marathon that I did um, to, to help with the heat and that, and then it was like, okay, I can, I can jog this. Not so bad. I can jog. Then it was okay. I can jog to the eight, next aid station. No big deal. So I was. It was awful. Sixteen miles was was so it was, it was a race to ten. It was a blow up, and then it was a jog for sixteen, which which hurt still, but it wasn't like that bad. <laughs> oh, for me it was, but I look at it as, as, as experience. I mean, it was just. I mean. I don't look at it as a 10-mile race, second 10-mile race, 10K. I just look at it as the experience. After I realized that I was in over my head, it was like, let's take this for what it's worth. Let's uh, let's absorb this. And, I mean, there's there's also stuff going on around you. I don't know if you took the time. I, I didn't know, don't think I even asked you. Did you take the time to notice all the stuff that was going on around you? Like when... When I got oh, to the finish yeah. line, and there was just, this is just one story, but when I got to the finish line, I had been kind of trailing around with this group of about eight guys that were pushing their friend in a wheelchair. And with about 200 yards to go, 
where I'm sitting there going, can I make these last 200 yards? This group has found its way in front of me and they stopped. And I am just so mad. Why would they stop right in front of me? And so I stop and I take a few steps to the right to finish on the other side. And what they're doing is they're getting their buddy out of the wheelchair so he can walk the last 200 yards. And, you know, I, I stopped to watch this and, you know, you got two guys on the sides of him to try to balance him so he can finish. But, you know, like, it's like, how cool is that to watch this guy that had been getting pushed in a wheelchair get out and cross the finish line of the New York marathon. And all his buddies are cheering him on and taking pictures. I mean, it was like, you know, <laughs> uh, that's something that, I mean, my time doesn't, that doesn't come across on my time splits <laughs> as you're looking it up in the data, but it was like, wow, that's an amazing thing. And I got to see it. And I got mad that it interfered with my <laughs> progress, but only for a second. Then I realized, oh, shoot, I just watched something amazing. I watched a guy that can hardly walk cross the finish line. That's so well, cool. You, you just hit on something saying like you had, there's going to be a time posted, et cetera. There's 47,000 times posted for this race. Mm -hmm. There's 47,000 different stories that people went through on that day. Like that, that, that's still something that I think is easy to forget. Like everybody out there has their ups and downs. Sometimes their race, maybe, maybe it went exactly according to plan, but that meant there was some other aspect for all the training that they put into it. That was part of that story. So it's a, yeah. so, so near the finish, uh, this is a good one. There was the eight mile pacer, which I'm gonna sound, it's not, I sound bad to say this, but like, oh, I can hang with an eight minute mile pacer. This is like, I just told you I get mad at a guy getting out of a wheelchair. So I don't think you can sound too yeah. bad at this point. <laughs> so, so, uh, this lady who's like super fit and we're like, three miles to the finish there's an uphill near central park uphill and she has like 30 people around her they're all just trying to hang at eight at, at eight minutes she's holding the stick that says holding eight, the stick colon eight, zero, eight zero. Minute, yep. and she has like a striped kind of it's like these four inch stripes it's like white and then blue and then white then blue it's this big striped shirt she's got the stick I'm like oh i'll just hang with her you know i'm just like whatever this is cool and, and and it is fun because it's like just everything's going crazy and um she just starts to just tear apart the group because we're like we're going up the hill and i you know i'm looking at my watch it's like okay we're like 750 i'm like oh 740 <laughs> we got down to like 725 and we're going uphill and it was like me trying to hold on to her because she's like then she's like gapping me and she takes off and like I look back, that she just ripped apart her entire pace group, and I was like, uh, <laughs> "Apparently, I don't know. I don't know what the story. There's a story there, right? She probably needed to catch up time to I was gonna finish. Say, was she actually on her pace at that point? I have yeah. seen been in races where I watched like the 310 group pace group pass the 305 pace group and go, hmm. <laughs> so she <laughs> she talked about that too. Um, the 305 pacer at the Santa Rosa Marathon beat the uh, three-hour pacer. <laughs> <laughs> John Reuter in that group, too.
our pacer died off. <laughs> yeah, I was getting eaten up by the pacers. I was like, oh, there's the three hour pacer, there's the 305, there's the 315, there's the 330. <laughs> or no, no, I don't think I got, no, 330 never caught me. I don't know what happened. I, I've been there. I know, I know what it does like. But the, um, the, the eight minute pacer was, uh, she dropped her entire group, finished by herself. I mean, I saw her like, but. She turned around to the finish line to tell each of them they sucked. <laughs> You've all embarrassed me. You suck. Good stuff. Now, despite you know this being not the the expect or not meeting the expectations you had originally set out, what's the next race on your calendars? Andy, you're talking about trail races instead of this. I know there's, but I got quad right now. Yeah, quad dipsy. You, Max, are you in quad? Heck yeah! See you there. All right. Gonna be a trail party. John, you there? Most likely, yes. I got, I got two hard workouts before quad, and then everything else is just like easy running. That's what. That's my plan. I want to do like two, you know. Four thousand feet type runs and that, and that, and I think that'll get me there, because uh, I'm I'm fine. I've, I I don't I don't think I need to put tons of effort in right now. Just get on the Dipsy Trail. That's four thousand feet right there. Do a out and back. Yeah, that's that's a couple couple doubles. Yeah. Are you go Are you going to double soon? Are you doing a double? I did one last weekend, I think. I've been running like just a cardiac on Thursdays at 5 a.m. If you want to join, I'm in. Well, yeah, I, I asked this because the, the the notion of yeah the races are there, but for those that are not you know paid to run and the uh, you know getting to to run in those elite waves at the beginning of the races. What what the races really do for I think most people is gives you a reason to get out there every day, that little extra you know fire under your butt to say well I signed up for this I got to do something each day or every other day or something like that. So that's some some people will show up they'll run the race and then then they're done. But it's like that's that's what I see is what's awesome about like despite the fact that the race might be hard is you're gonna like it's it's not just the one race it's a it's a lifestyle choice. It is. Like, I was just, I was like, oh, I'm in Boston 2023. But I hadn't done anything until just today. I was like, oh, I better. These races are, yeah, there's training. But like my friend Chad, who might listen to this, hey, Chad. <laughs> um, it is so much logistics. Like, getting a good place to stay that's not totally outrageous getting the flight stuff figured out, getting like, there's so many logistics it, and it is like, Oh my gosh, I have to do all these logistics and that's if I'm healthy and I can make it to the start. So. Oh, so um, that's why run, run Napa with me. I'm thinking about going back I, and I like Napa it. this year because Napa, you don't have to, you're not going to have to travel. It is point to point, but it's not like big city point to point. You're just running on the same road through, wineries let's do it when's napa what time of year first uh sunday of may no, may uh, march march oh that's cool yeah 
Temperature is great. Half option. Yeah, it's a. It's just down the Silverado Trail, and yeah, they'll they'll bust you, but it's not like a huge race, like you know, big city marathon. Um, so getting to the start's not hard, and it's not. There's plenty of parking, et cetera, et cetera. So did it last year, but I didn't meet my time goal. So figure, let's go back and try to notch that down. I'm kind of surprised New York didn't have shuttles to get you to the start. For such a big city, I would have expected something like that, especially for a point-to-point. They, 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 they do. They do that's that's the it's... Central Park option, yeah. but they want you to use the ferry if you're in the, uh, uh, what is that, downtown area. Yeah, and it's almost like it's a business unto itself, how to transport you to the beginning of the race. Do you uh, think yeah. there's another element there? Because New York, compared to many other cities in this country, um, the the car ownership is significantly less. Oh, yeah. So well, it's a city well, that actually runs on much more public transportation than probably every other city in this country. So I'll get in trouble. I'll get in trouble for saying some of this, but like part of these races are they have to be inclusive to every imaginable person and every group and and uh and that's good. Um but I'll sound like a jerk, but sometimes you need to like create it can't just be every single person in the world. Um and so it just it just creates all of these extra things um like but tim's story about the finish was also pretty cool so um you know don't want to exclude anybody but at the same time when you include every possible person it creates a lot more logistics for a big 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 race um yeah, know. I hate to say it. That was one of the thoughts when they first stopped right in front of me. My first thought was not, this is so awesome. What a tale of the human spirit. My first thought was, why is this person even here? I'll be honest. I, I was thinking the same thing. But and I yeah, and I think charity <laughs> should be separate from racing. Like I it sounds like uh, a really mean thing to say, but like, okay, this is a race. Let's raise money, but let's not make it part of the race. Because I think the bulk of New York is all fundraising, um, and I'm I'm kind of a purist. It's like one race, you know, one start, uh, one entry fee, uh, and then yeah, you can raise money. But that's you know, that's, there's charities are not the same. But I don't know. That's just my my thing. Yeah, I, I would. I, I would. Yeah, I would agree. Um, uh, for me, though, you had asked, uh, like, uh, what's on the docket uh, uh, just from now until the new year. I'm going to be doing a turkey run and a jingle bell run and some simple stuff. Uh, I think a five mile and then Christmas, I think, is a 10K. Maybe it's a 5K, but uh, I want to like get a full race calendar. <laughs> one a month. And it's more like like the turkey trot is bring your kids on the bike. I'm actually excited to my kids can get on a scooter or a bike and I can take them with me uh, for this one. That's, that's exhilarating to me in a way. Um, but I know I want to do a half marathon in March. I was looking at Modesto, but you guys just mentioned something about Napa. I mean, I might try something different and I do 
I do know I had only trained for a half for this event. I would, I was telling Andrew, now I think I'm at the level where I can try a marathon training distance program. And I do want to better prepare myself and do. Oh, froze. Uh -oh. Did you freeze him? Nope. No, he's there. Hey, Tim. Yep. Do that. Do that thing. Just, just go run a lot. Yeah. But I, what I was saying is I do, I am now at a point where I think I can train for a marathon distance and I do want to give myself that actual try. I had only trained up to half marathon distances on this one. And I want to do a marathon where I've actually done a 15 mile run, a 19 mile run beforehand. What, what do you, what do you guys got? What do you have, John? Um, my next race is the the PA cross country champs. Oh, First, you're doing. Are you signed up one. for that too? No, I'm doing December 10. Just did the 10k. Oh, you got it. You should sign up for the PA champs too, so uh, we can have a full match. Short. Team. It's, what it's is a it prep. Like? Five miles. What is it like? Five miles for the master. I know. That's why I'm so, like scared. It's, like, it's, like it's only I, five miles, but it's hard. It's like a like I don't even. I'm not even warmed up at five miles. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why this is hard. Um, <laughs> but are are you doing nice it, Max? Full masters team. Nope. Uh, it's yeah. the prep for a cross country nationals. I, I'm okay. What, what's the date on that? The twentieth. November twentieth. Oh, over a week. All right, I'll, I'll think about it. I got to. <laughs> I got to think about it. Um, what do you got, Max? I got, yeah, Quad Dipsy and CIM. That's pretty much it for the rest of this year. Oh, one week after the other. Oh, we should do, do you want to do a post or uh, CIM? Or, or we we'll definitely do one for Quad. Yeah, we could. Quad's a party. I, what sorry. I love about Quad is I have no, like, time set for quad it's just kind of like oh i'm just gonna do do lots of hills and take it easy and there's no there's no pressure on quad for me doesn't doesn't feel like pressure <laughs> there's no pressure if you don't make pressure for yourself so that's good that's, that's really it max is like i'm going to break four hours <laughs> i would i haven't even broke five yet really you I was close last year, but we'll see what happens this year. I think you got five hours in you. I got five hours and 27 seconds last year. Oh, oh. wow. Yeah. I, th I think my best think, is like 540 or 530-something. I don't, I don't I know. I think I did 508 one year, but I can't remember. I was close to five. Um, there was one race out there. I can't remember if it was Quad or Headlands 50K where it was like same same deal, five in some seconds in those some seconds was the last aid station drinking a coke yeah i'm <laughs> I'm happy if i'm around six somewhere it's fine so well the I think, final okay. question here though for for me is would you go out and do new york again oh i'm gonna have redemption in new york okay that answers that yeah. question you you have you have a score to settle um, yeah, I think it would be great to be there with the family. Um, maybe make a more of a 
trip after the race, like arrive, like right before the race, do the race and then stay a couple days and do like, you know, a bunch of, there's just so much to do there. Um, yeah, I'd like to go back. Uh, I think the weather is a big factor in New York, but it's, uh, yeah, it has like this, this giant, it's a big fancy race, but it's uh, it's it's not run that well. I mean, it's 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 uh, it, it it's too, it's almost too big. Like you can't have sixty thousand people and run things smoothly, really on anything. So maybe maybe it's just not possible. I don't know. I'd say no, unless I became competitive. This was a bucket list item. This was an event. It was a cool thing to experience, um, but there's so many other runs out there. There's so many other experiences to go to that unless I became a competitive runner, there's to try to challenge myself at that place again, there's no reason to. There's too much around it, as he was saying. There's just too, it's too big, it's too much. There's too much around it besides just preparing myself for the race. Yeah, I think I want to finish all the majors before I come back, but I have four left, which probably which Chicago's. Okay. I got Chicago, London, uh, Berlin, Tokyo. Um, oh. Ooh, I Chicago, do Chicago. Chicago's not hard to get into, not hard to do. I mean, yeah, it's a marathon, but it's not. Chicago would be the next easiest step. Uh, London sounds really difficult to get into. Um, probably be like a charity thing. London, Berlin, and Tokyo would be charity which uh, unless I could pull a 245 out, which is, no, I don't, I don't, after, after last <laughs> Sunday, I don't think that's ever going to happen. So. <laughs> Although I think the race fee for London is actually not that expensive compared to races here in the States. Really? Can you get in? Like, do you well, know? With the... It's a lottery, but. Uh yeah, I looked at it. I think I tried to get in a few years ago and obviously didn't get in because there's like over 400,000 people that want to get in. But it was like, I want to say the registration fee, like if you got in, was like around 90 or $100. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I need to start doing some research on that. And I think I'll just do charity stuff to get in. I, don't know. I wanted to do it all by time. That would be a great life achievement but I don't, I don't know how i can do it <laughs> so, i don't know oh london but, uh, qualifying times look like boston basically okay but i know tokyo and berlin are, are really fast <clears throat> was tokyo the one that you said where even if you're an 80 year old woman you still have to get the same qualifying time as I, I think I said like a six, like a seventy-year-old man. Yeah, that's the same qualifier as like a twenty-five-year-old man. I, I could be wrong. I, I, well, that's, well, that's when I'll qualify then when I'm seventy. <laughs> All right, guys. All right. I think I'm gonna hit stop on the record. Thank you for listening in, everybody. It's good stuff. Congrats, hey, thanks, guys. guys. Thanks, guys. Fourth state. Good stuff. All right. I'm going to just hit stop.